Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. And I want to talk to you today about this, about the book of Joshua. So if you don't know what we're doing, we're in a series that we're doing in, in the whole Bible throughout the year. We're combining a couple of books. But right now, we're going to start a new series within a series that's called The Rise and Fall of a Nation. So we're going to take a look at your book, the book of the Bible, Joshua. And I want to encourage you today, if you're not in a small group or if you are, uh, whether it's online or in person, if you're watching right now and you say, man, I don't have a, a group, I encourage you to find an online group that you can meet with if you can't get out right now. But I encourage you right now, more than ever, uh, statistics have just come out in which I'm, I, if you're in our field, you know this, you understand this, but you can't emotionally and mentally have a sound mind without relationships. It, God create you have to have people. And as much as it has been removed during this season, it, it's caused us all to be, whether you realize it or not, it's affecting us emotionally, mentally socially, uh, all those areas of life. And a study just came out about the mental health condition of, of like, the, not just the world, but our nation, the region, whatever you want to call it. And it has affected people upwards of like 80%. You may not even realize it; it's affected you, but you need people. So if you're watching right now online and you can't make it here, I want to encourage you get online. I know we hate Zoom calls. I hate them too. But if that's the best you can do, get on a Zoom meeting with people to listen to them, let them talk to you. I've been on leadership sessions on Zoom. It's helpful. So just don't isolate any further. Connect with people, whether it's online or in person. But I want to encourage you to join a group and then share your stories about what you're learning as we're reading God's Word here, okay? So Joshua. Joshua, most famous for Jericho, right? And so if you've ever had to do anything difficult in your life, which uh, I think this season's been pretty difficult... But you know what goes, what goes with it. You have tension, you have fear, you have anxiety, little butterflies in the stomach. My kids used to ask me, they still ask me from time to time, yeah, but dad, you know, because one of them would sing on the, and one of them would play music and different things, I said, yeah, but, you know, you just get up there and do it. It's no big deal. And I was like, that's not true? And they're like, yeah, you just do it. It's like no big deal. Hey, listen, I'm gonna just, I'll let you in on a little secret right now. If you think that from a public speaker's standpoint, like because I do it so often that I'm not nervous from time to time, you're wrong. I still get butterflies in my stomach at times. Like coming here today, I felt like going to a, like, like a guest, guest speaker at a different church. It's so weird, man. I'm like, I ain't been here so long. What I do? What I do? You know? It's, it, you still get nervous sometimes. You get butterflies. It happens. Anything that you do that's difficult creates tension, stress, anxiety. It's just how do we deal with those things is what makes the difference. And Joshua was faced with the difficulty of taking Israel into the promised land. Now, you might not think that's a big deal, but if you worked with Moses... And you were seeing all that he did with his little stick. And then you had to take over and God doesn't give you a stick. How would you feel if you were Joshua? You're going to take him into the promised land. Moses has been in the wilderness turning water out of rocks and manna from the sky and like fires and all this kind of stuff. Joshua gets nothing. Like actually when he goes into, the Bible says they get their last little meal of manna when they cross over the Jordan. I'm supposed to get over. They have no more manna. No more pillar of fire, no more pillar of smoke, nothing like that. He gets no snake to do tricks with. He has nothing. And yet he's supposed to take people and convince them to go into the promised land. And all he has ever seen is a Moses leadership style. The ability to direct people through a wilderness season of life. He has never done what he has been called by God to do. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life. You've ever been in a situation where you've been 
tapped on the shoulder to do something that you feel unqualified for, you feel un, uh, you don't feel like you've got the goods for, you don't have the education for, maybe you'd have never done this before and you know no one else that's done it, but he's still pushing you saying, I want you to do this. It's a little intimidating. And Joshua was no different. And before I get further in this, as Joshua has been called to go into and to take them into the promised land to take over the Canaanite ruler and, and the rulership of the Canaanite people there, as you read Joshua, I want to say this now because you're about to see a shift in what God in his word talks about. For the full Torah, the first five books, you see God doing different things. You see different battles. You see different things. God's deliverance, removal from Egypt all kinds of different things like this, his instructions for how to live. But now you're about to see God's nation be established. And for clarity's sake, God help us all today because everybody has an opinion. For clarity's sake, God is not just going in and picking on a bunch of innocent people and taking their land from them. And we should feel so guilty for these Canaanite people. Before we feel guilty for anybody that God says go in and take their land, understand what's going on in the land. Canaanite was an evil. The Canaanites were evil people. Matter of fact, you need an NC-17 rating to get into the front gate. You know what I'm saying? It was bad inside the Canaanite village. And before you think, well, it's just not right God would do this, because people say this today all the time, like, well, it's just not right what God does. God calls down fire from heaven and does it. Hey, back up. The Canaanite people were descendants of Ham. The three sons that came out of Noah's Ark, Ham, Shem, Japheth. He was one of them. These were God's people. But the one decided to go wicked. Not all, but he did. His sons did. And before long, it just got more and more wicked. So don't feel so guilty. Like, well, man, I just hate it for these people. No, God gave them the same instruction that he gave the other two sons. One rebelled, the other two went this direction. Doesn't mean they're perfect. But before you feel guilty about, well, man, God took their land. No, this was God's family, which ought to tell us something. Don't ever think that just because you're God's little favorite, that God doesn't look down on us from time to time and say, hey, I don't approve of that, and think that we're exempt from him talking to us a little bit. Because the further, you all know this, right? The further you go your own way, isn't it true? The more hardship, the more pain and destruction that comes down your way. I don't believe God sent COVID. I don't believe God sent all these crazy things. I'm just telling you something. Leviticus, I, I'm not trying to, like I said, I ain't preached in a while, so I'm not take a moment here. But like in Leviticus, I saw something that just opened my eyes. God said, listen, man, if you'll do what I'm telling you to, the land will be a blessing to you. It'll produce for you. It'll be a blessing. If you reject me and reject my laws, the land will devour you and spit you out like it's doing to these people over here. See, it's not God. Don't blame God for the problems. Look around and say, who's to blame? When a nation rebels and turns from the Lord, the land shifts. We may think that's crazy. Jesus said, if you don't praise him, the rock's going to cry out. So, you know, I don't know what to do with that. But, like, the land does some weird stuff sometimes. So don't feel, like, sorry for these Canaanite people. They were evil. They burned their children in the fire. They did the worst abominable things you could think of. Don't feel sorry for these people. They had their chance. But the Bible says very clearly, the vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Things don't just, you just don't get away with stuff, right? Can't run the way you run against God's word and expect it just to be okay forever. So 
if all you know is Moses, you're Joshua, and all you know is Moses in the wilderness, how do you get to the promise? Because Joshua was born into slavery. All he's seen is Egyptian slavery. He's coming to the wilderness. He was a part of the spies that saw the new land. He was like, let's do this thing. And all he has seen is wilderness. And now he's been called by God to go over into the promised land. Let me just say this to you this morning. How do you make a transition when you have no experience? First of all, it is a lie straight from the enemy that says experience is the best teacher. That is not true. The last time I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit was the best teacher. And he can teach you things that experience will never give you. And you think it would have been easier if you were Joshua, if you'd had a little more time with Moses. Couldn't we get two years in the promised land with Moses doing his fancy tricks and magic show, you know? Then it would be easier, but God didn't do that. So what did God give Joshua for this great transition from wilderness to promise? Did he give him blueprints, aerial photos, you know, drone surveillance of the land? Did he give him any of that kind of stuff? No. He didn't give him a team. Aaron's gone. His associate pastor's gone. He's out. Miriam, the worship leader, no more tambourines. He said, he didn't have anything. Jethro's gone. No wisdom from the ages. Joshua is going overseas with the only person in this group that was there before, which is Caleb. And he's an older guy now. But he's still got something in him that's been present since 40 years ago. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about what is that. So let's read Joshua 1 verse 1 through 9. And and I want you to hear how many times this pops up. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land in which I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will ever be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. But verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land which I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Now you know why you got the first five books of the Bible. Because how are you going to take land without knowing who's with you? If you don't understand how God works, you can't enter into a promise if you don't know how he's going to work the promise. That's why he gives us all this instruction. He says you meditate on it day and night. I mean, I wish I could spend some time right here, but I, I don't. this is not what God gave me. But study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Don't meditate on your news programs. Meditate on God's word so you'll be sure to obey everything. Don't meditate on your favorite shows. You can Netflix and binge all the time. Nothing wrong with watching your shows or your news. But just saying, if you're going to meditate on something, meditate on this. Because that ain't going to give you strength and courage. This will. He says, meditate on day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Three times he said this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He said this three different times. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua's name, get this. His name is actually the best pronunciation for this would be Jehoshua, which means the Lord's salvation. How would you like the name Jehoshua? which means the Lord's salvation. I'm going to take you over into the promised land somewhere I've never been before, and I got nothing like Moses had in the toolbox. And all God is saying is be strong and courageous. But that is enough. 
Because when God gives you his word, the word that he gives you is enough to take you over. If you take and hold on to that word and don't try to go back to what you had before. So God gave him courage, a declaration of being strong and courageous. And you can do more with courage in the unknown than you can do with experience in the known. There's a lot of people with a lot of experience doing a lot of nothing out there. If you got courage, man, you can do some stuff. Joshua and Caleb both proved that. So what does courage do for us? Why would God tell Joshua to have strength and courage? What did courage do for Joshua as a new leader of Israel? And what does courage do for us as believers? A couple of thoughts, okay? Courage, number one, courage will give you strength over fear. I am telling you right now, fear has crippled us. We are afraid of everything. I'll tell you something, going through that mess we had was not fun. There was a moment when I thought, you know, the other side is a lot better. I know he said up there, there's no sickness, no death. Those streets are better than Rome's. I, I ain't been out of the house in like three weeks, got on the roads here. If anybody's watching in Rome, Georgia, and you got pulled, like, yo, we got to fix the roads. They're terrible. Sorry, pet peeves, but they're awful. In heaven, man, it's like a streamline, baby. You, you can run out of that thing. It's no problem. But I was so sick. I mean, nothing tasted right. I hated it. I felt bad. Couldn't do anything. No energy. I thought, you know, it's better up there. You know, I don't think I was like that whole Paul thing. I wasn't checking out, but I thought I could see why people want to go. That's awful. But I wasn't wanting to go because I was afraid. I was just tired of feeling sick. But fear, it's everywhere. It's in everything. And one of the greatest hindrances that fear brings is to be stuck in something or to have a panic over the future. It will cripple you. Being afraid that I will fail or worse, that I will become a failure, a repeated failure over and over and over again, keeps us from doing anything. Fear, watch this, it removes courage. But courage will remove fear. If you have courage, you can get rid of fear in your life. But fear is a manipulating thing. It brings control over you in your emotions. It'll bring control over you in your mental capacity. And if you let it go on long enough, it will bring control over your spirit. That's why God says in the New Testament, don't have a spirit of fear. Because I didn't give it to you. I gave you a spirit of a sound mind, power, and authority. But where does that come from? God's word, not this world. You listen to the world, it'll make you afraid of everything. Got to fear everything. But what does fear mean? Let me just tell you this right now. It means to be afraid or to feel anxious or apprehensive about a situation or event. Joshua 10, 25, this is what the Lord told him. He said, don't you ever be afraid or discouraged, Joshua told his men. You be strong and courageous for the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies. I'm going to say this to us all right now. Listen to this. If God is telling them to be strong and courageous, what does that tell you? They were not strong. And you, it's okay to admit I'm scared sometimes. It's okay to admit I got some butterflies in my stomach. It's okay to admit that I just don't have what it takes. That's all right. The flip side of that is this, that the Lord says I'm supposed to be what? Strong and courageous. I'm not going to be weak for my children. I'm not going to be weak for my family, even though I might be scared out of my mind. I'm going to go to the Lord and I'm going to draw on the wells of some strength from God and say, I'm going to come out of there strong and courageous. Why? Because I need it. 
No sense in acting like you're strong and courageous if you're not. Some people just put on a front. Like, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Praise God, I'm blessed. No, you ain't. You can't pay your bills. That's not being blessed. That's lying. Why don't you admit, no, I'm struggling right now, but I believe that the Lord is with me and that I'm strong and courageous and I'm going to come through this. Don't deny the facts, but we have strength about us, right? So God wants to give us strength and have courage. Why would he tell them to have that? Because they didn't have any strength or courage. Second thing, courage doesn't give you confidence over setbacks. I don't know about you. Things don't always go the way Jody plans. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but um, I plan some stuff sometimes. It doesn't go the way I think. You guys ever planned some stuff and it just kind of didn't work out for you? You know, like you're thinking, well, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and, and it's not even an alphabet. What happened? Like you get one, two, three. It's like we're in a whole different, this is not what we planned. This is not what my, my goal was. It happens to us all. But courage give you confidence over setbacks. Everybody's going to have setbacks in their life. Joshua had a setback. They went in to take over the next town, defeated Jericho, go into AI to just, oh, we don't need this. It's just a little small town. We'll take them out with a couple of thousand people. They get whipped. Why? What happened? Because one of the guys in the, in the, in the ranks there decided he's going to keep some of the silver and gold that the Lord said is mine. Cost the whole group because of one guy's sin. So what did Joshua do? Did he put out a petition? Did he freak out? Go run back to Egypt like someone wanted to do? No. Listen, what he did, he inquired of the Lord. I'm telling you, we are, are going to have setbacks at times. But what did Josh, he inquired the Lord. He was always seeking the Lord, God, for answers. This is what I love. Joshua 5.13, he had this come to him once before. Or, and, and when Joshua 5.13, watch what happened. It says, it came about the time when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And this is why he answered. This is not grammatically correct. No. Like who says that when you're teaching your children? No, Haley, when she's teaching our kids, that's not how you answer the sentence. I ask you a question. The phone or the water bottle? No. I'm only giving you two options. You don't say no, pick one. He said no. And he goes on to say this. Rather, I indeed come now as a captain of the host of the Lord. And as Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I'm just going to say this briefly here. Listen. There are some things that we need to be aware of. God might not be for what you're for. He really might not be. He just might not be for what you're for. Even though what you're for might seem right. What you're for might even be right. But God might not be for you in the way in which you're going about it. He says no. But watch what Joshua did. As soon as he said that Joshua bows down and he worships. Let me just ask you a question this morning. Could it be that our zeal for what is right could be greater than our zeal for God? Is it what we want so bad to happen to be right that we have more passion about those things than we do about our worship for God? I'm going to go a little bit further. That's all right. Preach it, Pastor Jody, and preach in five weeks. I will. Thank you very much. If I say something to you about abortion and I say it's wrong and that gets you fired up and you get excited, you say, yes, amen. 
But I say, let's lift up our hands and worship God. And it, you can't be moved. There's a problem right there. If your zeal is more about what's right than about the worship and about your attitude to God, I'm telling you, God might be for what you're for. But he might not be in about it the way that we are going at it. Jesus said, quoting the Psalms, that the zeal, the passion for your house has consumed me. One thing I've learned by being out, I understand what David said when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I, 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 after about three or four weeks, I missed being in God's church. Not because I'm a pastor. You could strip that away from me. I could care less. Kick me out. Doesn't matter to me. I'll find a church tomorrow and I will worship him. Because without him, I realize, man, he's everything. It ain't a pastorship. It ain't a church. You can take all this away. I don't care. I'm still going to find me a place where I can worship God. Why? Because he's the one I'm inquiring of. This world, I can't get any sense out of what they're saying anymore. One minute they tell me to do this, one minute they tell me don't do that. One tell me to take this message, one say don't do that. I don't know anymore. But one thing I do know is I can inquire upon the Lord and I can trust in God. And I'm asking you right now, if you got your hope in something else, I'm begging you to put your hope in Jesus. What is hope? It's a confident expectation based on something solid. Man, whatever setbacks you had, Whatever discouragement you've had, we've all had it. I mean, and some have had it worse than others. I got friends, Pastor Victor, just last weekend while I was out of town, he went to go and help bury a friend of his, a mentor in our faith that is a great pastor, went to be with Jesus because of this mess. There's people that have had it tough. But I'm telling you right now, what are we going to do with the setback? If we will have strength and courage, God will give us confidence. To overcome again. So I don't know what's happened to you, but the what ifs and the what might and the what ifs, I, I just, I've gone beyond that and said, God, what are you wanting to do? Inquire of the Lord. In Romans 8, 24, it says this. This is why waiting does not diminish us. Any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mama. Lord, a pregnant mama. If you've ever been around a pregnant mama, you know they're like, Oh, everybody's happy the first month, second month, not about the third. Right about then, it's like this baby has got to be born. Not enough ice cream, cheeseburgers, nothing will fix it. You're like, this thing has got to happen. He says this, he says, we are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is, is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the more we become, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Listen to me right now. Hope doesn't happen overnight. If you're asking God to come through for you right now and you put a deadline for next week, that is not hope. That is you are demanding of the Lord and that is not the way God works. God works generationally sometimes. If you're asking God to do a work in your family and you're giving up in month two, wrong. God works through a mama and a daddy. He works through a daddy and a mama. He works through single parents. He works through the kids and the grandkids. He is multi-generational. You can't put a name and a term and a, and a date on God and say, well, if he comes to me on this, then I'll... No, 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 no. He's working. I'm not building a legacy for them little children over there. I got a few over here and they're everywhere right now. I, I'm not working for my gal, separate different people's family tables. I got them at all y'all's tables right now, but I'm not working just for right now. 
You look out there, you see Ronnie and Donna. That's one generation. Haley's another generation. I'm a generation. My kid, that's, we're working longevity here. I'm not building something to, you know, for next week. I'm building it for the long term. I'm learning to look back and say, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's the kind of legacy I want. I'm not looking for next week or next year, not even 10 years from now. I want to be old and gray and look down and say, look at that. There goes my grandkids, my great-grandchildren. Yes, in Jesus' name, following Jesus. I don't care what the world does. Half of them go up and smoke. It doesn't matter to me. That's their choice. But I'm going to teach my children the ways of the Lord. Strong, courageous, and how to overcome. The last thing I want to share is very briefly, very simple to you this morning, (laughs) is that courage will give you security over loneliness. Now, the one thing I'll tell you is through this time, is like I said, the study I just read, it bothers me a little bit because it makes me a little nervous about how y'all are all doing. Watching online right now, I'm, I'm telling you as well, that if you are isolated, that you are not getting what you need from God. Now that means I can't force you to be somewhere you don't want to be. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to tell you, you need people. And I'm going to preach on this sometime. I'll work it in the message somehow a little bit or maybe do a separate message or something online, but courage will give you confidence or security over loneliness. And what that means is if you feel alone right now, God is with you. And you need to know that. But God is not just God in a book and it's not something you watch online or something you read a little, you know, Bible verse on, which is great, but you need, he works through people. He works through people. He said this to Joshua, he said, I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, I'll be, you'll be on the land that I have given you. And then Joshua 1.9, he said, this is my command. You be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Watch this. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to tell you this morning, he's with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you feel alone right now that he has left you or forsaken you, that's not true. That is a lie from the enemy. That's not true. He has never left you. You say, yeah, but what about this? My business is just falling apart because of this. Maybe it did. But that does not mean the Lord left you. You say, yeah, but this relationship fell apart. I don't understand why. It may have, but the Lord did not leave you. You say, yeah, but Pastor Jody, how is it possible these good things were going on and then now this bad thing happened? Where was God in that? I, I, I can't answer all the what ifs and the whys. I'm just telling you the Lord is with you. Because if your Christianity is based upon mountaintop living, it's not real Christianity. I don't know of any Christian that's ever just lived on the mountaintop. Even Moses came down from up the mountain and came down into the valley. You're going to go through the valleys at times. But I'm telling you, he's the same God. If he's God on the mountain, he's God in the valley. And I found this to be true. On the mountaintop, when things go good, it's easy to get into that whole Deuteronomy thing when it says, when you enter into the land which I have given you and you are blessed and you have all the good things, you be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Have you found it to be true? Like when things are going well, it's easy to kind of just, ah, I don't need to pray today. But when you feel like you're about to cough up three lungs, oh, Jesus, <laughs> you know, God help me. You... Your dependency upon God, it goes up because he's a God in the mountain and he's a God in the valley. And I want to pray for you right now because I feel like 
If there's one thing we pray for you today at home and in this room, if you feel alone, can I just encourage you this morning, the same way the Lord encouraged Joshua, have strength and have courage. He is with you. He never left you. He never forsook you. He has always been with you. Yes, through the setbacks, through the setups, through the trials, yes, he's with you. And if your business failed, stage a comeback, baby. Pray and ask God, God, give me strength. Just ask God, how do I start it back up again? If, if a relationship failed, that's okay. Just realize this. God's got something better for you then. Don't worry about it. Hey, that's their loss, man. God loves you. Ask God how to help you pick your feet up and start again. If you feel like people took advantage of you or whatever, maybe they did, but don't let that get you bitter. Brush that all aside and just say, Lord, you're with me. I know you've never forsaken me. They can have all that. Let them just have it. I know you're greater to multiply and bless me again. I'm just going to have strength and courage this morning to overcome. So this morning, I want to pray for you about this right now. So would you mind just closing your eyes, bowing your head just for a moment? Dear Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. <laughs> I just pray right now for people in this room, all of those watching at home right now, listening by a car, however they're watching or listening. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, you said in your word, you told Joshua, I will never leave you. I'm with you wherever I set you to go. And there are people in this room, people watching online right now, that God, you've told us to do some things. And it has felt like in this season that you are not with us. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to say, I feel like, God, you are not with me. I feel like you abandoned me. I feel like you left me. But we want to take the instruction from Joshua and go and inquire of you, God. What's wrong? Why is things not working out right? What happened? And maybe we may not get the answer we're looking for. We may not get any answer. But we can have strength and courage to start anew. So, Lord, I pray right now. Lord, God of heaven, would you put strength in your people today? God, would you put a courageous spirit like what was in Joshua and Caleb so when they crossed over and spied out the land, they said that we are more than able to overcome these people, Lord. Even if they're the only two, I pray for a spirit of courage right now in the name of Jesus just to be filled in this house, to be filled in the homes that are watching right now. Lord, that you would give us strength, Lord. Not just courage to do the task, but strength to endure. I thank you, God, for it right now, that you would strengthen feeble legs and strengthen feeble knees like Isaiah said. Lord, that you would give us strength again in our bones, God, that you'd wake us up again spiritually, give us strength, Lord, and a passion, God, to get our eyes off this world, but to get our eyes on you. Give us the strength, God, to go back and dig deep the wells, Lord, that were once dug for us, God, that may have been filled up with sand and maybe the enemy has filled up things and told us it's never going to happen and filled all kinds of doubt with our minds. In the name of Jesus, I pray we would dig afresh a new well. Dig deep, Lord, and remind ourselves of your faithfulness, God, that you've always been with us through it all. And I pray today, Lord, if there's anybody watching or in this room that doesn't know you, I pray that they would turn to you this morning. While your eyes are closed, no one's looking around right now. I want to pray for you. You're in this room or you're watching at home. You say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to pray for you right now. You say, well, Pastor Jody, how would I know? Well, you would know the Bible says you have an inner witness that you are saved. And if you have any confusion or question about that, I would pray this prayer. I would make that right today. I would settle up with God today. So you're going to pray this prayer with me. The whole church will pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But just repeat this with me right now. Say, Dear Jesus, 
I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask you, Lord, to save me, to forgive me, and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Lord, I give you control of my life, and I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Give me a hand with you right now. Church, that's awesome. So we're going to put it on the screen for you at home right now, or if you're in this room right now, you can do the same thing, but connect.cornerstonerome.com is how you connect with us. If you pray that prayer, we'd love to help you get started walking with God, okay? You need some help through discipleship, through relationship. We want to just help you right now. So take a moment to fill that out for us. One of our team members will get back with you here in just a moment and help you get started. Before we go, we always like to pray this over you before we leave. More than ever, I think after you read through numbers, you probably saw this more than ever, the power of this blessing. And remember, this is not a preacher doing it. This is not a pastor doing it. Because the Bible says whenever Aaron and his son, the, the priesthood, whenever they did this, God said he would bless. So this is just, I'm just a spokesperson, but God is the one that's blessing. So receive this from the Lord, not from a pastor or a preacher, but from the Lord this morning. From Numbers chapter 6, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Man, God bless you so much. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed. <laughs> if today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.